welcome to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pillisoff, and I'm your host. I'm the creator and editor-in-chief of Divorced Girl Smiling, a media company comprised of a website, podcast, mobile app, and a great list of divorce professionals. So I got divorced when my kids were three and five. And I remember at the time, I wasn't thinking ahead. I was just thinking, here's how much I need every month. I have to pay for preschool. I have to pay for these sporting activities and other things. And I wish I would have had somebody explain the importance of planning for college, even though my kids were toddlers. So today I want to talk about college planning during divorce and It's based on an article that was written by divorce mediator Brian James. He's my guest. Hi, Brian. Hello. So Brian is a divorce mediator and parenting coordinator. He's been in the business since 2005. And before he became a divorce mediator, he spent 10 years working in the criminal justice system, helping victims of domestic violence, as well as divorcing couples and their children. So Brian is such a wealth of experience, and he actually, this was his idea, he wrote an article called College Planning During Divorce. And so, Brian, thank you so much for joining me and taking time to do this. I'm really looking forward to the wonderful advice I know you're going to give. Sure. Thanks for having me. So, at the beginning of the article, you write, when you hear clients, when you have divorcing clients and they say things like, oh, college, we'll work it out when the time comes or we'll set something up after things calm down. You said it makes you cringe. So tell me about that. It makes me cringe because I work with people who are divorced and never put together a plan for college in their divorce agreement. And now their child is getting ready to go to college in the fall and they're coming to mediation trying to figure out how to fund it when they haven't done anything over the years. So I now with my divorcing clients through mediation will work with them on college planning. I don't care if their child is six months old or 17 years old. I want them to have something in their agreement that specifies how college is going to work. And how they're going to save if they can. Exactly. Even yes. when so, their child is a baby. Even as a baby, it's the best time to do it because starting saving when they're younger and you keep putting in periodic payments, it's less you have to pay come college time. And college is only getting more expensive. All right. So you bring up a good point. I bet there's people listening to this and they're thinking, well, we live paycheck to paycheck and we can't afford to think about college right now, especially because now we're going to have two households. So I want to address that. And in this article, really, this was such a wonderful article because you said that people say, where's the money going to come from? And so in this article, you talk about, quote, finding money. So let's go over some of the things, some tips that you can tell parents on how to, quote, find some of the money needed for the college expenses. Okay, so the first one you wrote was claiming of the children. Tell me about that. 
Sure. So there, there's people that I work with that really cannot financially afford to put anything away for college because like you said, they're going from one household of expenses to two household expenses of expenses. So some things with once they're divorced, how they claim their children on their tax returns. So speaking to an accountant or a CPA and finding out if they have three children and based on what their incomes are, how do both of them get back the most amount of tax dollars that they can? My belief is pay the IRS as little as you can, as you have to, and get back as much as you can. So how you claim your children will affect your refund. So putting aside that refund money or part of that refund money into a college savings plan every year is one way to make deposits without having to give more money. Now, that is a great point. So before we move on to all these other ways to find money, I want you to address something. People will say to me a lot of times like, well, it's such a little amount, what's the difference? And I always tell people, not that I'm a financial expert, but if you take $100 a month even when your kids are babies and put it into a college fund, at least you have something, right? So talk to me about that. And, and that's exactly what I tell people is no matter how little the amount is, it matters because the money grows over time. And if you put it into the right savings vehicle, like a 529 Bright Star, Bright Directions account, the money grows tax-free as long as you use it for college. So you can go online to any financial calculator and put in that $100 a month deposit over 15 years and see what that does. It, it'll boggle your mind what that is. I love that. And also people don't realize that you're getting a tax break, you can write that money off for your taxes. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and when you have two parents making deposits, they may set up their own 529, so they each get the tax breaks, which will then help with their tax returns. Fantastic. Number two, reviewing auto homeowners and life insurance policies. So th this is something that you know, this is, again, isn't going to make thousands and thousands of dollars of difference. But, you know, most people don't ever review their policies. They don't see if they can get a better life insurance policy at a better rate. Reviewing their home and auto policies. Because there are, you know, say you get a $50 a month savings by going to another company or changing the level of coverage that you have. Still having good coverage, but maybe you change it a little bit based on life circumstances. That $50 a month can go into a savings plan. So it's not about finding like, you know, the pot at the end of the rainbow of gold. It's not about funding your children's entire education. It's about finding money when you don't have the money to put away for college. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with Jackie Pilisoff and my guest, divorce mediator Brian James. Brian's company is called CEL and Associates. He's been in business since 2007. He has so much experience, so much wisdom, and has been doing this for such a long time. We are talking about college planning during divorce and finding money. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to list several more ways where you can find money. We'll be right back. I always tell people who are thinking about divorce or going through one, 
If you think you want to stay in your house or you're not sure and you don't really know if financially you can afford to, one of the first calls you should make, even maybe before you call a divorce attorney, is to a mortgage lender. And I actually have a really good one. Her name is Jennifer Brown. She is a mortgage lender and a certified divorce lending professional, which is a credential where she has a certification to help people in your situation. And Jennifer has been in the business for 26 years. She does mortgages in Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. And you can find her on Divorced Girl Smiling under the Trusted Partners section or at jenniferbbrown.com. I also want to mention the therapy practice of affiliates in counseling. So I have known Jason Price for several years, and he is the co-founder of Affiliates in Counseling. They have offices in Chicago, Northbrook, and Naperville, and I think they must be up to like 30 or 40 therapists, all with different niches, all that see different people. And really the ones that I have met, and I know a lot of them are really wonderful. So you can find affiliates and counseling on Divorced Girl Smiling under Trusted Partners, or you can find them at affiliatesincounseling.net. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff. I'm your host. I'm here with Brian James, divorce mediator and founder of CEL and Associates. He has been mediating in the states of Illinois and Wisconsin since 2005. So Brian and I are talking about how to find money so that you can plan better for your kids' college funds during and after your divorce. Number three is make monthly auto deposits into your children's college savings plans, bank accounts, investments, etc. So yeah, that's something that's really simple. So I, you know, I, I do everything auto pay. So I just basically forget about it. Set up $25 a month that auto automatically goes into the 529. You never see it, you forget about it, and it's just building money as you go over the years. And Brian, when you mediate a divorce, do you sometimes have these kinds of like agreements in place where each parent is gonna put $50 a month? In, like, is that what people do? Yeah, I, I try to get people to do that. So legally, they're not required to do any of this. Their, their requirement for when, you're, when their children are in college is to help them with college up to a cap. At the present time, the cap is whatever the tuition, room and board, books and fees are at the University of Illinois in Champaign. So we're in 2023. Right now, that is the guide. Parents have an obligation to help up to that cap proportionate to what their incomes are at that time. All right, so I'm so glad we're talking about this. This is very interesting. So if, if somebody is listening and your son or daughter wants to go to, let's say, Wisconsin, and but you live in Illinois, and what you're telling me, Brian, is that according to Illinois law, the 
cost of college is based on the University of Illinois in Champaign. That's yeah, just so what they do. Yep, that's that's the legal requirement that you have unless the parents agree to send and pay for a more expensive school. So you can the first thing I would do is go online and look up what the tuition is for Illinois, which you could probably tell me, Ryan. Yeah, right now right now U of I is about thirty five thousand in, all in per year without any type of financial aid. Now you you've had kids that go through college. I had one that's out of college, one that's in college. There's always money through scholarships, staffer loans, grants that you can find money from the schools. What what this law applies to is whatever is left per per semester, the parents have an obligation to help. It doesn't mean they have to pay 100% of it. There's parents that say, okay, we're going to make our kids pay one third so they have skin in the game. We're going to handle the other two thirds. Parents say, you know, we'll cover it all. Okay, let's then put those plans together. You know, so this law is there to protect people from one parent saying, well, you know, too bad, kid, I'm not going to help you at all. I had to pay for all of my own or I didn't go to college. I'm not going to help you. Well, that's why we have our laws to protect kids against parents from doing stuff like that. Now, let me ask you this. If a, if a couple goes to litigation, let's say they are unable to mediate. What is the law in Illinois? I always heard it was 33% for each parent and then 33% for the kid. But I'm sure it depends. Like, let's say one person is making 60000 a year and the other person's making two fifty. Obviously, it wouldn't be a third, a third, a third. Correct. It's, it's proportionate to their incomes at the time the child goes to college. So if, say the parents, you know, say the split of, their incomes were 60, 40, and they want to put a hundred dollars a month into a five to nine. One parent would put in $60 a month. The other would put in 40. So it's always proportionate to their incomes because then that five to nine money can be used by each of them together. You know, other people, right. they don't want to have like a joint five to nine that they deposit into. So some right. people just open up their own and do it separately. It all depends on the couple, but it's so important to have something in your agreement. Now, I can't make them, the court can't make them put away for college, but I do try my best to get people to do it and explain to them what's going to happen five years down the road if they've done nothing. Okay, so where I'm going with this is let's say you have a couple that goes to mediation and their kids are 16 and 17 and they haven't saved anything for college. So in mediation, can you guys do whatever you want? I mean, you you try to tell them what the law is, what the proportions are, and then you kind of go from there. How does that work? Yeah, so we, we explain what the statute is in Illinois. We explain that, you know, you don't have to send your kids to, you know, a, more, a really expensive school. It's not like you have to send your kids to Northwestern. They can get a good education, you know, through a local community college in two years, a four year. So part of it starts off with what can the parents afford? You know, what are their views and philosophies? Some parents have never talked about college. Some parents, one thinks the kids should pay 100%. The other parent thinks they should pay 100%. So those are the couples we really try to help them come to an agreement on 
So when college comes up in a year or two, they're not back seeing us because they can't agree on what to do. Right. And, and to me, it makes no sense for them to spend money going to court with their attorneys to argue about how college should be paid for. That money should be going towards college. A hundred percent. Moving on to number four, designate a portion of your tax return, work bonus, commission check, et cetera, to go towards your children's college savings plans. Yep, this is just another one of those automatic things that you can put into an agreement that you do every year. So, you know, people's bonuses, sometimes commissions, those are all subject to possibly maintenance or child support. Okay, so instead of giving money or part of that from one person to the other, earmark a certain amount for college. So you're both contributing towards their college education. So I'm not a financial advisor, but here's what I would advise people to do based on just life experience. Let's say somebody gets a work bonus and it's like $5,000 and it was completely unexpected. Just my advice would be, if there's something you want to go buy for yourself to reward yourself and feel good, you know, maybe it's a few hundred dollars, and then automatically take a percentage of it, whatever you feel comfortable, and put it in that college account. You know, because if somebody gets a bonus, they have to enjoy enjoy it, reward themselves, be happy, but don't go crazy. And then just say to yourself, I'm going to put some of this towards the college fund. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's because like financial advisors will, advisors will always say, or a lot of them do, you know, fund your own retirement first mm-hmm. and then college second, because ultimately there's always going to be ways for the kids to get money for college. You know, no, nobody wants to take out, you know, $300,000 in college loans, but through scholarships, grants, lots of free money kids can get, it can lower what the burden's going to be. Right. Now, Brian, I have another question. Is is there anything else a 529 plan can be used for besides college? So, so 529s typically have a parent's name and a child's name. What a lot of people don't know is as long as the as long as the child has siblings, the 529s can be used for all of them. So if it just if one's in one person's name, it doesn't mean it can't be transferred to another child's name. So, you know, people will set up a 529 for each one of their children. You know, some people will say, hey, just set up one because it can be used for all of the kids. Some people worry about actually funding too much into the 529s. Well, what can happen is after you pass the 529 money down from kid to kid and everybody's graduated and you don't need it anymore, that money can be used and put into an investment account. That money can be used, and I, I believe, and don't quote me on this, it can also be put into a retirement account. I just had a client recently tell wow. me that they found that out. So you don't pay a penalty unless you just take it out for the cash? Exactly, exactly. As long as you roll it into a retirement account or into an investment account, it just gets treated like a regular taxable account at that time. Well, boy, that would be a good problem to have, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I can tell you right now I won't have that problem. Because some people, you know, they save a lot. They start saving when their kids are babies. And when their kids go to college, maybe maybe they're really smart or they're athletic. 
and they get a full ride and all their tuition, room and board is paid for. Well, now what do you do with all the five to nine money? Well, it's not wasted. It's not like it goes away. So there's, 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 there are no, I mean, I'm sure there's negative somewhere. Someone would say, oh, don't do this. Put, put it under your pillow, things like that. But having it invested growing tax free is a huge benefit for the kids. Huge. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast with Jackie Pillisoff and my guest, divorce mediator Brian James. We are talking college planning during and after divorce. The next thing on the list of finding money, I love this idea. Instead of family members giving your children unnecessary gifts for their birthdays and holidays, ask them to deposit money into their college savings account. Yeah, so everybody has family members that gives their grandchildren and nieces and nephews items that they just don't need. And you end up throwing away, donating, or they just sit and never used. They're never used. So one thing people can do is, you know, you can give people the ability to deposit money into a 529. You can give them the, the information and people can deposit into the 529. So make it worthwhile for the kids. Great idea. Number six, the FASFA. Tell me about that. I, I feel like that was the most difficult form I ever had to fill out in my entire life. So the, the first time, so having, I've, I've been doing FASFA, I think since 2015. So I'm not an expert, but I have been doing it for a long time. What FASFA is, is FASFA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And what that does is schools use that information to give grants to kids, work-study programs. The federal government uses that for Stafford loans, for loans that the government gives to children based on family income, based on ability and need. So this is something that everybody should fill out. Whether you need the money or not, it's a good thing to fill out. You fill it out in October. It opens up, FAFSA opens up October 1st every year as of right now. So if you have someone right now who is a junior in high school, this coming October 1st in 2023, they will apply for FAFSA. Even if they don't know what college they're going to, you can put in a college into FAFSA and that information gets sent to the school. And then they use that information for their own to offer, like, you know, lots of schools have endowments or kids that can't afford to go to school or pay for all of it. They'll find money or through scholarships. And, and, and it's very important to fill out. And when people are going through a divorce, for FAFSA, the poorer you look, the more aid you get. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working with clients, regarding how you claim your children on a tax return, because that's what FAFSA looks at a lot. Who's claiming the children? So for FAFSA, you want to look as poor as possible because you'll get better aid. And I'll talk about the better aid in a second, but some parents have difficulty understanding that. Why well, I want to claim a child because I'm going to get, you know, an extra $800 a year. Okay, I understand that. But if you do it this way, you could get, lower interest loans. You could get loans that don't start accruing interest until the child graduates from college. So these Stafford loans are federally funded loans that 
a child gets, I think, freshman through senior year. I don't remember the exact amounts, but every year it goes up. It's like 5,000, 6,000, 7,500, something like that. There's two types, unsubsidized and subsidized. You want to get subsidized loans. And what that means is my son takes out a loan today, a subsidized loan for $5,000. It does not start accruing interest until six months after he graduates from college. Presuming he meets requirements, he goes full time, he has a certain GPA, that $5,000 is $5,000 four and a half years from now. Unsubsidized loans, I take it out today, he takes it out today. The interest starts accruing today, but you're not required to make a payment for six months after they graduate from college. Now, many parents will make payments as the years go on while the kids are in college to get that number down. But the more aid you can get, the more they're going to be those subsidized loans. And off the bat, people don't think, oh, that's not a lot. But over the course of four years of that $5,000 loan not accruing interest versus accruing interest, that can be a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Wow. So at the end of the article, you say that all of these things on this list that we just talked about, they're not going to pay for college. They're not going to pay for the whole thing, but they're going to make you feel so much better because you're going to have some money, right? So even psychologically and practically, you're going to be so, you're just going to feel so much better about it. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Because most, most parents want to help their children with college. And by the time they get ready to start college, if you haven't done anything, chances are you're not going to be able to help them the way you could if you started many years before. Unfortunately, a divorce is a great time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your kid's future. And the parents, a lot of times, they're on the same page. They've just always kept putting, they've just kept putting it off. Yeah, we'll do right. it later. We'll right. start this later. And then they go on a vacation or they do this and they do that and they don't think about it. But once they're divorced, they're probably not going to think about it again. So that's something that I build into my practice is having that college discussion. Well, you're really, really smart for doing that. And uh, I cannot even express how much I regret when I was getting divorced, not doing that. So Brian, thank you so much for being on the show and taking time to educate people on this, such an important topic. Sure, my, my pleasure. And tell my listeners, if they want to reach you, how can they get in touch? So the easiest ways are call me directly on my cell phone, 312-524-5829, or through my website, www.yourdivorce.org. Wonderful. And if you want to read articles, listen to more podcasts, or look up some of my wonderful trusted professionals, including Brian, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com.